Hey guys, this is Pastor Mark Warren from Church at the Crossroads. Thank you for checking out our podcast. My prayer is that you're encouraged and challenged as you hear, understand, and obey God's Word today. How do you pass life's tests on your spiritual journey? Let me ask you a question. What is the most difficult thing God has ever asked you to do? Now, when I ask that question, there are some things that we should do that you and I know we should do. And we have some problems in life because we don't do what we should do. If you're struggling with an addiction, that's not something God did to you. That's something you chose or I chose. If we are struggling with a difficult relationship, that's something that was created by a person, a person in our lives. However, in the Christian life, there are times when God will ask you to do something and you are following Him, you're obeying Him, and you're just on your spiritual journey and you are growing spiritually, and God will ask you to do something that is extremely difficult. God might ask you to do something that totally goes against what you like and what you're comfortable doing. And that's the case with Abraham. Abraham was an older man, and he believed the promise that God was going to provide him a son. And God promised, and Abraham believed, and Abraham had questions, and Abraham had some doubts, and he made a bad decision or two, and he came back to the right way of thinking. God forgave him. And eventually, Abraham had that son. And God fulfilled that promise. No sooner than that, I want you to look at these verses and see what goes on. It says, it came about after these things. After Isaac was born. After God gave Abraham his son. After God fulfilled his promise that he tested Abraham. Now, test is not tempt. God does not tempt us with evil. God doesn't say, here, make this bad choice. But God does test our heart. God tests us. And what a test does, I give tests quite frequently. I love giving tests. I'm giving some tests tomorrow. Praise the Lord, I love Mondays. I told my class, you will always, you know, Monday's a rough day for people. You know, I said, you might as well get used to it, young people. You might as well jump right into Monday. You always have a test in my class on Monday, every single Monday. And I said, the good news is, I don't test you on what you don't know. I test you on the material that we've covered. And a test is simply me saying, you know this, show it to me. Because if you do what you're supposed to every single day, and you study that material, and you show up on Monday, you knew it on Thursday, you knew it on Wednesday, you knew it on Friday, guess what? You know it on Monday. And they write down those answers, they turn it in, and it's no big deal. But if you don't do what you're supposed to, if you don't have the knowledge that you should have from sitting in that class every day and seeing it put up on the board three or four times, being given opportunity to ask questions, having a textbook that teaches it, having parents who would reinforce it 
and either show you, tutor you, or get someone to tutor you, if you don't take advantage of all of those opportunities to learn that material, Monday's going to be a pretty rough day because you're not going to know what you are required to know. And if you're who you say you are spiritually, and if you truly have a relationship with Christ, and Abraham, if you really believe, like you said you did, then this test is just going to demonstrate what is already true. A test in the spiritual life is not God trying to get you to do the wrong thing. It's God demonstrating for the whole world that your faith is real. Look at Job. Job was going along pretty good, and Satan said, you know, if you test him, he'll fail the test. And God said, no, my servant Job's going to pass the test. And Job passed the test. He learned more about God, and he experienced some things. The book of Job says, in all these things, Job did not sin against God. So when that test come, and when your tests come in life, if your faith is genuine, you're going to pass the test. Now, Peter gave in the temptation. David gave in the temptation. That's different. Temptation comes from within. Bad desires, bad motives. That's temptation. And when we give in the temptation, we have to ask God to forgive us. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. In fact, giving in to temptation helps us actually prepare for tests. Because once you overcome temptation and start to grow spiritually, God will allow some tests to come into your life, and those tests will demonstrate and confirm your faith in Christ. So I don't want you to have test anxiety. I don't want you to feel like, oh, oh i got to worry about this. No. Tests are going to come. Jesus said, in the world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So today we're going to look at really how to pass the test. There's some secrets. You know, the teacher, Jesus is the teacher. The Holy Spirit is our, te our teacher. And the teacher wants to prepare us for the test. I know what is going to be on the test I give Monday. So during the week, I make sure I cover that material. I show them how to be successful. If they're not successful... I want them to know that it was their fault, not mine. That I did everything on my part to get them ready. And God, if I do that as a human teacher, the Holy Spirit and your Heavenly Father and Jesus, the Son of God, will prepare you for these tests. If you will obey Him and follow Him. As Abraham said, here am I. And he said, take now your son, your only son. Sound familiar? For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. Take now your Son, your only Son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer Him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. Now, I've given a lot of thought to this. Why on earth would God ask Abraham to do that? And there's so much that I want to share about this. I don't... I just I have to just slow myself down and just say one thing at a time. 
Why would God ask Abraham to take his one and only son to sacrifice him? But Abraham is there. He hears this command. God gave Abraham this test. And God allows life to test our faith. We're no different than Abraham. We will experience tests in life. God allows tests in our lives to gauge our spiritual maturity. When you pass tests, somebody told me one time, different levels, different devils. There's different temptations at different levels in the spiritual life. And as you come to Christ, you're a baby Christian. And you're growing. And then you begin to become a young man or a young woman in the faith. And you begin to grow spiritually. And you slowly mature. And then eventually you come to a point where you are a spiritual father or mother. And you actually can develop and train other people. You know, there is a progression in the spiritual life. You don't want to miss out on that. You want to grow. You want to move towards maturity. You know, you want to think beyond your struggles. If you're here today and you're struggling, God wants to not only help you overcome those temptations, but God wants you to move you to a place where you can make a difference in the lives of other people. You can have greater fruitfulness. One day, you and I will stand before God. We will give an account for the way we lived. And you know that beautiful verse that says, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the blessings of the Lord. And you and I, we work towards that day. We know we will give an account for the life that we lived. And Paul described it as a time where some of our works are going to burn up for they were done for the wrong reasons. And some of our work is like going to be tried like with fire, and when gold is tried with fire, it demonstrates the character of the gold. And as we get to that point, God allows these tests in our life. Some He directly sends, like in the life of Abraham. Others are just part of the challenges of life. But these tests help prepare us for that final outcome to maximize our effectiveness. God sends things into our lives to develop us into the person that will bring Him the most glory, that will bear the most spiritual fruit, and will demonstrate the most godly character. Somebody said it like this one time, that when we stand before the Lord, there will no longer be time as a Christian to develop our character. It's like we will be frozen at time at that level spiritually. What we've developed will be where where we are at spiritually. And with that in mind, and with that concept in mind, it is our goal in life not to shrink away from difficulty. And what we're going to look at today closely is there are some, some practical steps. There are some deliberate steps that you and I have to take as we focus on the cross And as we look at this picture in the Old Testament that is symbolic, it's it's a type of the cross, that just as God sent His Son as a sacrifice for the sins of the world, so we see this illustration where God asked Abraham to take His one and only Son and sacrifice Him. So in the Old Testament, have you ever wondered how did Abraham experience Christ? 
what we experience as, as Christians by faith. Faith looking for in the Old Testament, before Jesus walked on the earth physically, Abraham by faith obeying God and following God and following this path to lay down this beautiful type, this symbol of what Jesus actually did. Whereas Abraham was not required to offer his son, as God stepped in and at the right time, right, you know, Abraham is ready to sacrifice his son. The angel says, Stop. God has seen your faith. God will provide a lamb. And we have that lamb in the New Testament. So here we are, you and I, looking at this Old Testament story, having full knowledge of what happened in the New Testament, and saying, what do I need to do to experience the faith and to pass the test of life like Abraham did? Well, like Abraham looked ahead in faith to the cross, you and I look back to the cross. And it's through faith in the cross and what it represents. What does the cross represent? Forgiveness. Lead me to the cross. The cross of forgiveness. But in going to the cross, you don't come to the cross to just get forgiveness and fire insurance. You come to the cross leaving behind, letting go, surrendering to God everything that is... You're offering yourself on the cross as a living sacrifice in everything that you hold dear, right or wrong. You know, for me, it was a Rickenbacker 12 string. But God says, just like He told Abraham, He says, take your one and only son. God told me, put everything you have, everything that you hold dear, Everything that means something to you, place it in my hands. Entrust me with it. And I said, here it is, Lord. So that for that moment in time spiritually, I stood before God with nothing, as Abraham did. Because you know what? When he, when he pulled his hand back to sacrifice his son, that was everything to him. That was his life. And in surrendering his son, he surrendered every part of himself. If you're going to grow spiritually, if you're going to test, pass the test of life, you must come to a place spiritually where you surrender every part of your life. If you want to be a man or woman of God, if you want to be a spiritual father or spiritual mother, if you want to be able to have the impact in your world, like Abraham had an impact in his world, and actually in our world by being the one through whom Christ would come as a Hebrew, if you want to be that person to accomplish those things for Christ, you cannot be an unwilling sacrifice. You must be a willing sacrifice. Your all must be on the altar. And that was the message I heard as a young person. That was the message that I heard taught. You know, as I struggled, as there were things that I began to think, what, in case, what, just what, if, what if Jesus wants me to go to the ends of the earth? 
What in case Jesus wants me to be a missionary and he sends me somewhere so bad that I have to go alone? And if I have to go and risk my life, how can I do that? I struggled with that. Can I do that in my own flesh? No. I can only do that by coming to the cross. I can only do that through identification with Christ at the cross, where I lay down, where I completely give my life to Him. You know why some people have so much problem with the Christian life? You know why there are Christians in the church that are full of drama? You know, just one drama after another, one issue after another. You know, it's because, let's just be frank. They're not willing to do what Christ... They want to do what they want. It doesn't mix. It does not mix. The faith in the Bible from Abraham all the way to Peter and Paul is a faith where men and women come to the cross for forgiveness and they surrender. They exchange their life. You know, he became sin who knew no sin, so I might become the righteousness of God. In receiving all of Him, you are called to give all of you. And when you give all of you, that means every single desire is laid down at the cross. That means your Isaac, whatever that is in your life that is as important to you as Isaac was to Abraham, you place that in Christ's hand. You place that in the hands of God and say, here I am, send me Use me, and it's in that surrender. It's a beautiful aroma to the glory of God. And God sees your faith. God sees your surrender. And that opens up a whole nother level of spiritual growth. What is the difference between a test and a temptation? As we've seen, a temptation comes from within us. It is based on our desires you know, desires that are not perfect because we're out of relationship with God and we must resist through the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody wants to overcome temptation. Whereas a test are things in life and things that God sends to us that actually demonstrates our commitment and faith to Him. So Abraham got up early in the morning. He didn't wait to obey God. He didn't think about it for three or four days. He didn't pray about it. He got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He split wood for the burnt offering. He began to do the things to prepare to be obedient. When God has spoken to you and asked you to do something, do you do it right away or do you think about it? Do you make preparations to do it? Do you plan to do it? And he went out to the place which God had told him. Abraham was careful to obey what God told him to do. He did it immediately. He did it in detail. He didn't go without the things that he needed to be obedient. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and the boy will go over there, and we will worship and return to you. Even though Abraham was prepared to sacrifice his son, He was fully confident that if he sacrificed his son Isaac, God would raise him from the dead. How else could he say in faith that we will return? When Isaac asked him, he said, you know, Father, here is the the wood. 
You know, here's all the stuff. Where's the sacrifice? Abraham, I don't think he lied. I think he spoke the truth. He said, God will provide a sacrifice. And God did provide the sacrifice. And in providing that sacrifice, he taught Abraham faith. And God has provided the sacrifice for you and I. But God still requires that you and I surrender our life fully on that altar. And I heard so many messages about this as a young man. But honestly, as I look through different sermons and things like that, this is a message that has become missing in the church. I hear so much about me, money, success, all of these things which have so little to do with living the Christian life. Show me a man or woman who is fully surrendered to Christ, willing to go wherever God sends them, whether it's Moldova or Georgia or Kazakhstan or Canada or Vermont or Richmond or Raleigh, wherever, or Hosky or Murfreesboro. Show me a man or woman who is willing to go wherever God sends them and say whatever God tells them to do and do whatever God asks them to do then you will see a man who brings glory or a woman who brings glory and honor to God. God is glorified and honored by our obedience. You know, when my children go out in public and when your children go out in public, let's be honest, they're a reflection of you in your mind. When you see them doing crazy stuff, what do you do? You look at your, you look at your husband and say, that's your boy. I know Amy does that. That's your daughter. Why? Because we want, them to, we want them to reflect our good qualities. And when we go out into this world, our Heavenly Father has called us to reflect His good qualities. You know, we want to glorify God. And people will know we're Christians by our love for Christ, our love for one another. Abraham was confident that God would take care of his family. This is not about neglecting your family. This is not about putting your life in danger. This is not about doing anything that is hurtful or harmful to you or anybody. This is simply a matter of obedience. You know, we are called to obey Christ no matter what the cost. And at some point in the Christian life, you're going to be faced with a choice where you have to decide whether or not you want to be fully committed to Christ or if you want to draw back and just live to please yourself. I have never seen someone who drew back to please themselves have the outcome that you and I want. I've never seen it. I've seen people work so hard to, to get ahead financially and to, to uh, just please themselves and take care of themselves and watched all the things that they work for just blow up in their face. Because if God's not in it, it's not worth it. You know, we don't know the future. We don't know every little detail. All we know is the present. And in the present, where we're at and what we see, we walk by faith. And that faith is based on you and I doing what we know, obeying the promises. What has God promised us? What has God told us to do? And what I know that God has told me to be a man of God in my character, full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. God's called me to grow in character, to become like Christ. And God's told me, God's directed me to reach this world, starting with Jerusalem, starting with Ahoski, and then expanding. 
And that's, that's all I really need to know. I don't need to know every little detail. If God gives me more details, that's fine. But I know the big picture. It's character and spiritual fruit for the kingdom of God. It's developing people. How can we be most effective to reach the lost? Well, we've got to get out there and talk to people. We've got to teach people the word of God. We've got to develop people and you know, build into them and teach them how to follow and obey Christ. And if we do that consistently, and if when we mess up, we ask God to forgive us and we get back on track, then when we come to our life and we're an older man or woman, we can look back like Abraham and say God has blessed us in every way. And we've been as successful as we possibly could have been by the grace of God. And as we're doing this, we look at our lives and we don't allow any issue in our lives to become more prominent than Christ. If Christ is to be magnified in what we say and do, then the areas of our lives must be surrendered to Him according to His Word. We can't be driven by selfish ambition and selfishness to promote ourselves rather than Christ. I've gotten to the place spiritually where it's just black and white for me. There's men and women who surrender to Christ and say, Lord, whatever you want. And there's men and women who want their own way and they are a pain to deal with. Amen? They are a pain to deal with because every stinking thing that's done has to be filtered through what's in it for me. Is that not difficult to deal with people like that? Why is that difficult? Because God didn't create you to be a selfish person. God did. I read a book one time. It's called How to Be Your Own Selfish Pig. What a terrible title. It was satire. And the whole point of the book was to write in such a way that while you're laughing at this story, you grow up and you say, I don't want to do that. I saw a skit one time. It's called King Me. King Me. And King Me would come out and he would say, it's all about me. And he was glamorous looking and it was, it was a satire. And we're trying to laugh at that. But the moral of the story, the point is, is when we are selfish people and life is all about us, it messes up everything. But if we will surrender to Christ, if we will follow Christ, and if we will lay down our lives at the cross, we will not be boring. We will not be a pain in the butt. We will be helpful and a blessing and an encouragement to other people. And your relationships will be better. What woman wants to marry a selfish man? That's all about himself. No, they don't want to do that. What man wants to marry a woman that's all about herself? Who wants to raise children that can't think about anybody but themselves? Who wants to do these things? And God doesn't want you and I growing up like that spiritually. God wants us to be unselfish. So he says, give it all to me. Surrender to me. And lay it all down at the cross. And then I will place things in a way that will bring me glory and that will bring you peace and joy and happiness in life. Happiness comes as a byproduct of obedience to Christ. But when we pursue that in and of itself and we overlook moral principles 
and we think only about ourselves and how things will benefit us, it falls apart. It doesn't work because we're not omniscient. We're not omnipotent. We don't see the big picture. You could be doing something thinking you're benefiting yourself and you could actually be hurting yourself. You don't have that type of wisdom. God alone sees the big picture. God alone is all wise and all knowing. So in giving your life to him, he's able to work out the details in such a way that he is glorified, Christ is magnified, and you and I experience love and joy and peace as a byproduct. And Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and had it on his son Isaac, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife so that the two of them walked out on together. Isaac spoke to his father and said to him, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Look, the fire in the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. He did this here. He did it in the New Testament. He's done it for you and I. Jesus has given his life for us so that we can give our life to him. So the two of them walked on together. Abraham trusted God in what he was asked to do. Then they came to the place which God had told him, and Abraham built the altar there, and he arranged the wood and bound his son and told him on the altar, on the top of the wood, and Abraham reached out with his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham named that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. I encourage you to spend some time alone with God, praying and settle this matter. I encourage you to have devotions and quiet time with God where you surrender your life, where you have a place, you know, that you know. Take a walk in the woods, take a walk by a lake and pray and just surrender yourself. Give all of you to Christ and see what God will, will do. Be able to look back as you grow spiritually, as you get older, be able to look back and think of places where you made commitments to Christ. You know, we used to go to summer camp, and during the summer camp, we would take our Bibles, we would hear people speak, we would hear music. They always gave us time alone with God. And I think it was the most precious time. It's just walking out in the woods, sitting at the table, opening up the Bible, looking at the passage that the speakers spoke about, and just praying and, and having the Holy Spirit speaking to me saying, this is what I want you to do. This is where I want you to go. And just hearing God speaking to me and saying yes, and then sometimes saying, I don't know about that, Lord. But the yeses, you know, the yeses are the, that sweet savor that you offer up to God to bring Him glory. And I encourage you to have that type of relationship with the Lord. Nobody can do that for you. Nobody can walk through these steps to grow spiritually. But I can tell you, I can promise you 
that if you go on this journey like Abraham was on a spiritual journey, you will look back and just be so glad that you had these times. As I look at this COVID-19 and as I look at our world and everything that's going on, the one thing that I know, there is nothing that can happen that can change my relationship with Christ. I've already given him my life. So whether I live or die, Christ will be magnified. To live is good because I can serve him. But I am not fearful of death. And neither should you be. If you are surrendered to Christ, you shouldn't live in fear. You've given him everything. When you walk out of here, you're already trusting him. You know, because of Facebook, we see all types of things that are going on in the world. You know, I just saw on Facebook a gentleman that was a, a co-worker when I was working at a particular restaurant. And I, I don't know all the details, but I see his family saying, pray, pray. And they're just pleading for prayer. And it just I guess the situation is he's unconscious. I don't know what's happened. I don't know why, but he's unconscious and they're praying for a miracle. That's going on all the time in your world. How are you to live without fear? Give your life fully to Christ. Every area so that you live for him and him alone. And whether you live or die or no matter what happens, you're not worried about it. Christ can be glorified in a hospital bed. Christ can be glorified on a golf course. Christ can be glorified in a church building. If Christ is your joy and the love of your life and you're fully surrendered to him, then you just walk forth and you obey him and you serve him with joy. God provided Abraham with a lamb as a sacrifice. And God has called us to follow and obey him. What does that mean? We give every part of our lives to him. God will test our faith and obedience Jesus is going to ask you to do some things that make you uncomfortable. Jesus is going to require that you do some things that are difficult in life. You can rest assured about that. You're going to have to do some difficult things as a parent. You're going to have to do some difficult things as a teacher or whatever, you know, as a worker, you know, or as a business owner. You're going to have to do some things that require you to trust and obey God even when it's difficult. That is part of life. And that someday, you know, you and I will step into the next world. We're not going to live forever unless Jesus returns. You know, we're going to grow old and we pray for grace and good health. But life is going to involve some difficult days ahead. Any way we look at it. And if you're fully surrendered to Christ, if Christ is your focus, and if having a relationship with Jesus is the most important thing in your life, that's not going to change. That's not going to change. He's with you in whatever circumstance you'll walk in through, and your joy will not shift. Do you believe what God has promised? Do you believe the promises that God has given you? He who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God is for us, not against us. He who would give us his only begotten son, would he not give us whatever we need? All things work together to the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose, whom God foreknew and called to be conformed 
to the image of Jesus Christ. He is conforming you to become like Christ. Even your difficult days, even your difficult circumstances are shaping you to be more like Jesus. They're making you compassionate. They're making you humble. They're making you forgiving and accepting and loving and empathetic. Your character is being developed even when it's hurtful to you. And what's going to happen is as you hurt a little and suffer from time to time, you're going to develop compassion to help other people. And when you find yourself being able to look at someone and say, I've been through that, it's going to be okay. God is in control. There's going to be a spiritual, just a spiritual vibrancy about you because of what God has done. You know, God can use you and I to do great things. No one would argue that Abraham did not accomplish a lot in his life. But we're looking at the inside story, and part of those accomplishments involved a level of sacrifice that we are being taught that we don't have to do by our world and sometimes by people in the church. There are no shortcuts to this. You know, Abraham was not preached the health and wealth gospel. You know, although Abraham was very wealthy and very blessed, there was a sacrifice that characterized Abraham's life of faith. So he was a man of faith. He also was a man of tremendous commitment and sacrifice that we see. Are you doing what God has asked you to do? Only you know that as you get close to God and he asks you to do things and he challenges you are you being obedient to those things are you following him and obeying him god will ask you to do difficult things on your spiritual journey are you able to pray lord lead me to the cross you come to the cross for forgiveness that's one side of the cross jesus died on the cross for our sins so we can be forgiven that's eternal life. But we want more than eternal life. We want an abundant life. We want to be used in this life. So you come to the cross to identify with Christ at the cross. You join Jesus at the cross. And just as He laid down His life on the cross for your sins, you lay down your life. You give God the control of your life so that He can be the decision maker. And in that surrender, it is a spiritual surrender. And when you spiritually surrender your life to Christ at the cross, then there are going to be times when you have to take up that cross and do some difficult things. But it's going to be a lot easier to do the difficult things when you're fully surrendered. If you're kicking and fighting and trying to be in charge and trying to be just motivated by doing things to please yourself, the path that you and I go on is going to be so difficult. And if you're a parent, you know that so well. When there are things that you know that child needs to do and they absolutely refuse to do it. And you know, you just want to say, how long are you going to fight? How long are you going to fight? And I think God's saying that to a lot of us from time to time. How long are you going to fight me and not trust me? And just let me lead you down the path that you need to go to become the person Thanks for joining us today. Visit us at crossroadsahoski.com. 
for more information, additional resources, and service times.